Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a certified brand strategist and business coach. You might be wondering why the second phase? The second phase may be a change in careers and learning how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship, a significant lifestyle change, going from stay-at-home parent to starting a business, a traumatic loss, a move, or an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition, you are here to discover your second phase. Learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact to grow as your authentic selves and follow your callings, values, visions, and passions, and to learn how to build a solid foundation for long-term brand and business success. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. You ready to learn? Grab your coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hello, friends. I am so glad you're here with me today for this episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I have a really fun guest with me. We have so many things in common from skiing to just loving nature, being outside, traveling, and kind of a sense of adventure. But most importantly, moving from our first phase to our second phase and giving up big jobs for following our passion and just finding true joy with the work we do every single day. So I am so excited because we haven't had a guest talk about these things yet. And we're going to be talking about digital products and having that passive income through selling digital products. And we'll talk about the platforms for that and some of the logistics of delivery and all kinds of things. So I think you're really going to enjoy my guest today. Christina Scalera, and I am really happy to be able to share her with you. It's an honor. Christina Scalera, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. This is going to be a fun conversation. You have so many similarities to me in terms of your backstory and how you got an advanced degree. You worked really hard, and then you discovered that oh, this isn't quite what I want to do. And you've created an incredible life for yourself doing something that you love. And I think it's a story, it's a journey that a lot of my listeners have either had themselves or are seeking. So with that being said, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I am Christina Scalera. I am the founder of DeCommerce Coaching. That's the culmination of the journey I've been on for the last five and a half years, really maybe six or seven, actually. So I graduated from law school in 2013, and I got a job working in-house managing international trademarks. And as some of you in the audience probably can relate, it just wasn't a fit. And I did the quarter-life crisis thing. I went out to California. I became a yoga teacher. I wasn't very good at teaching yoga, but I was really, really good at blogging and just creating an online presence back in the day. Like this is like 2014, 2015. We were just talking a little bit. Instagram at that time was like two, two and a half years old. I mean, like so new. And by the way, I remember thinking how crowded Instagram was in 2014. Just like FYI, for those of you who are like, oh, things are too crowded. They're too saturated. Guess what? In five years, you're going to look back and wish you had started because it's going to be so much different. 
But yeah, so anyway, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Uh, Nobody in my family is entrepreneurial. I don't have any like close mentors or friends or anybody like that that thought this was a good idea, really. (laughs) Everybody thought it was kind of crazy for leaving behind the six-figure law job and ditching my degree in a way. And it really was a process to come full circle back to what is now my online store that informs my e-commerce coaching. So a couple of years into like flailing around like this with yoga. And then I mentioned I did calligraphy. So that got me into the wedding industry. I found that through Instagram, which I found through blogging for my yoga stuff. So full circle, I started a contract template store after the yoga business didn't work, after I wasn't really good at calligraphy, after I really couldn't figure out where in the industry, the wedding industry, I wanted to do something. But along the way, I did find a lot of people that needed help with their legal stuff. And it was really, really introductory, basic stuff that people needed help with that I honestly didn't think like I could help them that much because it was so like beginner level. And I just was like, surely, you know, like these people know how to sell $10,000 wedding packages and whatever. Like they don't need my help. Who am I to help these people? But lo and behold, I've consistently found throughout the years that as businesses grow, oftentimes the things that are neglected are either the taxes and financial side or the legal or usually both. So an insurance, I should say. Anyway, I did this whole flailing. I started the contract shop in 2015. It was just under my personal brand at the time because I didn't know like that it was going to be the contract shop. And I think it's important to just get out there. So I knew my name. I put that on a website and I put my stuff out there. And what eventually became the contract shop was born. We had three months of absolutely no sales, just total crickets. And I'm like, great, like just something else I tried that didn't work. Awesome. And then I connected with some people at a conference and that was a game changer because they gave me a platform to just do the most basic, boring conversation you've ever had. It's called the Rising Tide Society. I'm still really good friends with Natalie, who is a co-founder of it, but she created this platform that encourages community over competition. And as part of that, they had some sort of educational curriculum that they would give away for free for the wedding planners and photographers and things like that that were really most of the audience there. And so I did a Contracts 101 joint venture webinar with them. (laughs) And I remember it was literally the first webinar they ever hosted. So this is like super old school, if you know anything about the Rising Tide Society. And that was the thing that changed my business because I'd never had anybody looking at me before. And then all of a sudden I had a thousand people on a live webinar and I'd never done a webinar before. Like I was like pooping my pants is an understatement (laughs) because I was so scared. And I walked away from that webinar. It was at least educational. It was the worst pitch you've ever heard. It was like, I have a store and you you can buy things. And here's the URL. Like that was it. That was my pitch. But I walked away from that webinar with about 500 people added to my email list and $3,700 in sales after that weekend. Like we we did a promotion. And after that was all said and done, I made about 3,700 bucks off $155 product that didn't even exist yet. I actually put everything on pre-sale knowing I was going into this webinar, knowing what I knew about online business from, you know, all the free trainings and things like that that I had gathered. And I was smart enough to do this pre-sale and that was how we sold our first templates. And then last year, so 5 years into the business, it's a half a million dollar a year business. So there's obviously a lot of things that happened in between. 
And then last year, I also ended up taking eight months off. I wasn't planning on it, but I left a seven-year relationship. I moved to a tiny mountain town with 2,000 people. And then obviously, the pandemic struck. So I just didn't feel like working. And luckily, I had built a passive income resource through my online store that allowed me to just journal and read and basically do nothing but hike and relax for eight months without without planning to take that time off. So I know that's kind of like a, I don't think anybody has like a really linear journey. And I hope that helps people to kind of understand like how I got to where I am today doing e-commerce coaching. And I obviously still have my store. Obviously, it doesn't need me that much. So that's just kind of running on the back end, making like a passive half a million a year. And that's where I am. So you said so many things. And I mean, we could talk about so many of those things in great depth, really. Let's start, we'll go work our way backwards. But you know, sure. none of us have had a linear path. It seems like you start something and <laughs> as a brand strategist, one of the courses I took recently, well, the certification course I took, the instructor is Marty Niemeyer. And he actually has a book when everybody else is zigging zag. And I feel like my entire journey has been nothing but a big zag because <laughs> I have just gone from, you know, <laughs> point A to point B to point Z and then back to Y. It's nothing has been, you know, linear, which I think is a great example for other people. If you feel drawn to do something, don't sit and be unhappy. Take that risk because you can always turn a corner or, you know, round a bend to change course if you need to. And I don't think any of us start a business and end a business where we thought it was going to go. I think there is always transition (laughs) because as we learn more about the business and we learn more about ourselves and we learn more about what the world Mm -hmm. needs from us, we shift and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And if I hadn't taken all those quote unquote wrong turns, I never would have gotten to the point that I did have a successful business that was supporting me and my lifestyle and like the lifestyle I really wanted to live, not just like the lifestyle I had when I started out, which was, you know, living on less than paycheck to paycheck. Obviously I wanted more than that, (laughs) but like, that's the thing, right? So I started a failed yoga teaching business, but in the process, I learned how to have a website and how to blog and what Instagram was and, you know, how to get out there and network. And then, you know, in doing the networking and the blogging and things like that, I learned about calligraphy, modern calligraphy, and I made connections there. And those connections led me to the people that allowed me to be in front of the Rising Tide audience. Even though none of it was quote unquote connected, like if you looked at it on paper, it all helped support where I am today. And so that's where a lot of people are like, I don't want to be known for this thing. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to get known for your thing? Like just get out there and do something because it's not going to be what you end up with, but it will be something that leads you to what you eventually enjoy doing and what you will be known for and what you're excited about and what you show up for every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look back and I'm in such a creative place now versus when I was in the medical industry, but every single marketing meeting I went to, every presentation I did, everything I did led me to the skill set that I have today. I wouldn't be able to interact with the people I interact with had I not had those experiences. I wouldn't be able to be as strategic if I hadn't had those experiences. So you're so right. You just have to 
do things. And you almost just have to kind of let life unfold in front of you so that as you're going through, you can take every experience, learn from it, tuck it away in your mind because you're going to pull from that experience again later. That's just how it works. So, okay, that's great conversation. I love all that. So when you first started, you, you know, people told you, well, what are you doing? You're leaving a six figure job. That's crazy. (laughs) And I experienced the same thing. Like, what are you doing? You're going to leave. You went to school for this. You have a doctor degree and you're going to walk away from that. But sometimes you just have that pull that's pulling you away from that thing. Mm -hmm. Or there's a need because like you said, you're not fulfilled or you're not happy or it's just not meant. It's not the right environment for you, whatever the case may be. What do you suggest to listeners who are in that place right now where they're in that air quotes nine to five and they're not happy, they want to leave, but they're afraid of losing the security or they are afraid of what other people are going to say about them? Yeah. Well, first of all, these are very external things that are influencing your decisions. And this is coming from someone who struggles every single day with allowing the external good and bad to influence what I'm working on and what I'm doing. That's something that I think if you can start working on it sooner rather than later, you will be at an advantage. If you can start to determine how you feel how you react to things from an internal place rather than an external place. And what I mean by that is when I started, obviously, well, I don't want to say obviously because it might not be obvious to everyone. Some people probably have healthy families and relationships, but I was not in a good relationship. Like I realized it later, my boyfriend was not like a good partner to support me for the entrepreneurial things I wanted to do. My family was not on board because I had lived my whole life leading up to this legal job and I finally got it. And then they're like, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. You're walking away from it. And so those are all external things that were telling me this isn't going to work out. This is wrong. This is bad. You're bad. And if you can start to change the input that you're getting, and the only way to do that really, I think effectively is to not necessarily ignore everything that's happening outside of you because you can't like you can't just like shut people out of your life you can't just block everyone like there's always going to be some new competition that triggers you there's always going to be some new person that's putting you down or you know very like subconsciously not supporting you in some way and you're feeling that so i think the only way to really effectively move away from that place is to do the things that help you to feel more confident and grounded internally so that when someone tells you that this is bad, you're bad, it just goes off your back like water. So for example, if someone is like, Christina, you have blue hair. Maybe you guys can't see it because you're listening. I have brown hair. (laughs) So if someone's like, you have blue hair, I'm like, no, I don't. But every day, either ourselves or other people are telling us like, you're not good enough. You can't do this. And it's the same thing as someone telling you, you have blue hair. It's not true. But for some reason, we have something internally that believes it. And we're like, oh, yeah, we do have blue hair. We aren't good enough. And so I I use the blue hair as like a, a funny example, but it's up to you to determine that you are good enough and that you don't have blue hair so that whenever these conversations or these you know looks or <laughs> whenever the side eye that happens and the family dinners and things like that, when those things happen, it just doesn't affect you because you know what is true. And the truth is that you can do this and that you are ready and you don't have blue hair. <laughs> Unless you do. I don't know. 
<laughs> okay. So that was really, really wise input. I, I really appreciate that. That was great. And so many things that you said are things that like I've worked on myself to overcome a lot of that self-doubt and the fear of putting myself out there in a way that was totally different that nobody else understood. So, mm. okay. So let's talk about logistics for a second. So when you talk about your contract shop, I'm curious. So you set this up, people buy the contracts and then they're delivered to them and it's all electronic. So mm -hmm. can you tell us just a little bit about your process and how you've set that up for people who might be thinking, yeah. Oh, you know, maybe they're in the automotive industry or, you know, they've been working in some industry sure. for a long time, but they happen to be an attorney and they're thinking, gosh, if she could do that, I could totally do that and sell contracts to people in my industry or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so talk a little bit about those logistics and how you set that up to run completely automated. Yeah. So my first digital download shop was actually an Etsy shop. I sold digital download prints. Like I sold one that said, employees must wash hands after using the restroom or something like that, right? Like those signs that you see in the bathrooms and they're always like really ugly and printed in block letters and whatever. So I was like, well, what if I sold this? And I just put some like flower clip art and stuff around. like guys, I was a terrible graphic designer, <laughs> but again, it's about you just getting out there and doing something. And honestly, I think I have like that shop on like an auto credit card because I still see sales of that digital thing today. It was like a $2 thing. And then the other thing I sold was a checklist of resources. Like I saw you have that off your Instagram. I basically turned that into a PDF and sold that on Etsy for $2. Like I said, I think the store is still up and running. But that was how I got started with digital download products. And then when I started what is now the contract shop, I set up a Squarespace site because it was easy. It was accessible. You can't break it. And that was where I started to sell for the first time. And that's where I recommend a lot of people start out. I'm on Shopify now because Shopify is just the best platform, but it also has a much steeper learning curve. So I put the product listings up before that webinar. They were on pre-sale. So there wasn't anything to deliver. <laughs> Obviously, after that webinar, I got my button gear and really created those. So then once those were live and they were no longer on pre-sale, Shopify, Squarespace, I'm sure other platforms, I only work with those two when I teach people about this stuff, they have the ability for you to upload whatever file you need to on the back end, whether it's a zip file so that you can include audio and a PDF or a video or whatever else you need to include. So that can be downloaded as a zip file. Or in my case, I think when I first sold them, they only had a Word document or something. So that was how they got delivered. So literally, just like you would go to target.com and pick out your favorite hairspray, put it in your cart, check out, but you know, instead of waiting in the mail for the hairspray to come, you would get the digital download product right there on the checkout page, like on the order confirmation page. And then you get it again via email. And so that logistically is how it got delivered. And then it works very similarly with Shopify. It's basically the same process, but I think they have like an account where they can access the product. Okay, now. cool. So it's not like you have to, you're using platforms, so you don't have to set it up. So that they buy it and then you're sending it over through Google Drive or something like that. I mean, there's so many tools now too. Like I know I have WooCommerce on my WordPress site. So mm -hmm. I have a Zap, Zapier set up so that it zaps from yep. when they purchase through WooCommerce, then it actually, I don't even know how it works. I didn't set it up myself. <laughs> But anyway, then it's then it's sent over through like Google Drive or whatever. Yeah, basically. So if they're not familiar with Zapier, it's a great tool because you have a way to sell, which is your WooCommerce site. 
and you have somewhere to host it. And so basically when they buy it, there's just a little electronic thing that says, hey, someone just bought, zaps it over and then delivers that. So that's another great way to do it. There are no right ways to deliver it. The only right way I would say is as long as it's automated and consistently reliable. So for example, I use Shopify and Squarespace and I re- those are the two I recommend. I'm not super familiar with WooCommerce. I've heard good things, but I've never used it myself. But that's just because Shopify and Squarespace have been incredibly reliable for me. I've never once had an outage. I've never had them go down. Like They know, <laughs> especially around major holidays and stuff like Black Friday, they know what is going to happen to their servers and they're ready for it versus like you know, if you're using maybe a discount WordPress site on Black Friday, like that could go down. And so for someone like me, who literally my entire income for the contract shop is a store, I can't risk that. So that's why I use those platforms. But I would say that whatever you have the the capacity to learn and have and, you know, resource wise, whatever makes sense in your business, that's the right one for you. Yeah. And mine seems to work great. It's, you know, and we haven't had any trouble either with it down or anything. It's also about like, especially if you're on WordPress, what WordPress plan do you have? And, and all right, of that, right. like, you're not yeah. going to be able to do these things on a free platform. You have to actually right. invest in them. So I think that is important to note. Yeah. And Squarespace is so cheap. Like it's so cheap. Yeah. I think when I started my shop, it was only $12 a month. So if I sold one template that covered it times 12, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like when I set up the WooCommerce site, I did it because I already had the WordPress website and it was so good for everything else and the SEO built in and all of that, that I could not stomach starting something different. So it worked. Sure. I think that's the important thing to look at too, is where are you and what have you already built and how can you add something to your platform or to Mm -hmm. your repertoire of products without having to invest a lot of energy, time, and money. (laughs) Very true. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about e-commerce versus e-commerce. And because you've kind of coined that term, I think. Yes. I've literally trademarked it. (laughs) Have you? That's great because I love it. So e-commerce coaching is what I offer. And e-commerce refers to digital downloads sold through an online storefront. So there's this misnomer where people just say digital products And that drives me crazy because they lump things like courses and group coaching into that. And a digital product is not a course. An online course is an online course. So I'm like on this tear where we need to stop calling online courses digital products because they're not. They don't function in the same way. They don't get delivered in the same way. There's nothing productized about an online course. It is a learning mechanism. And if you're selling a digital product as an online course, then maybe you need to take a different approach and call it a digital product. So a digital product is something like a template, a workbook, a worksheet, an ebook, a audio file zipped. Let's see what else do stock photos. I know you have a couple stock photos, Mm -hmm. literally anything that you can download. And the reason why digital products are so different than courses other than just being downloadable. Like typically we don't download entire courses. Usually they're hosted somewhere and we go to that website to access them. The difference between that, especially besides the access point is the fact that we are downloading a resource that provides an immediate result. So an online course typically takes at least a couple hours, maybe an afternoon, maybe a couple weeks to implement. A digital download product should be getting someone a result within the 10 minutes that they download it. So for example, if someone goes to my online storefront, 
the value is not that I'm going to teach them all about how to be a lawyer and how to have a contract. And, you know, like I don't have a contracts one-on-one course for a reason. And it's because nobody wants to learn that. And even if you do learn it, you're never going to be able to learn what I know about it in my eight years of doing this and, you know, three years of school on top of that and working in firms. And like, you're never going to know that. So why don't I just give you what you actually want, which is the template that you can fill and sign and have to your client in 10 minutes because you don't want to be an expert at contracts. If you do, then you should go to law school. <laughs> yeah. So that's the difference between digital products and online courses. And then obviously e-commerce refers to things like fulfilled by Amazon and drop shipping. And, you know, sometimes there's white labeling. And then I think the least common, but probably what most people think is the most common, but it's actually the least is when you're actually making your own product and selling it through an e-commerce store. E-commerce like Etsy. Is that considered e-commerce? Yeah, I would say that Etsy is e-commerce. Usually when people refer to e-commerce though, it is like drop shipping or FBA. Like it's almost like, so I ride horses and I think people outside of the horse industry, like they'll just, every time the Kentucky Derby's on, people are like, oh my gosh, like, you know so much about that. Right. And I'm like, not really. Like I have like gated mountain horses that I take on trails. Like <laughs> I don't know anything about race horses. And so I think like within e-commerce, we have the same distinction that like there's Etsy and then there's what most people probably see from the outside, which is like the Amazon and the like all the FBA and the drop shipping stuff, like the Alibaba, AliExpress, all that kind of stuff. So I would say that Etsy is e-commerce, like, but I would also caveat it with when people talk about e-commerce, they're usually not talking about Etsy, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you really technically, I mean, you used Etsy for the digital mm-hmm. commerce too. So it could be Etsy could be considered either way. Yeah. I mean, Etsy is an awesome pre-built storefront. You have a built-in audience. You have an easy way to sell. I've heard that their commission has gone up quite significantly since I was on there in 2014. But it is a great way for you to find and build an audience, especially if you don't have a commodity product. You have something that's handcrafted and is really interesting and, and unique and engaging for people. And so... I think anybody out there on Etsy needs to be working on building. I mean, you specialize in personal branding, so you surely help a lot of people do this, but getting off Etsy and building that personal or that you know business brand um, so that it's recognizable because the best thing you can do for your business if you do have some kind of product is make sure that it doesn't become commoditized. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're the first person selling some kind of like blessed crystal healing jewelry, but then all of a sudden everybody else is too, like now you're a commodity and it's really hard for you to stand out Mm -hmm. versus I'm thinking of somebody in Venice Beach, of course, course. (laughs) who sells this and her business is called Gemma Rose. And so she does this, but she sells through her online storefront, not Etsy. And she's built a really nice personal brand for herself through this means. So that's a huge benefit to, you know, working with people like you, Robin, who do create those personal brands because at some point, unfortunately, with Etsy, you could become a commodity as other people see your success. Absolutely. You either become a Me Too brand or people are Me Tooing from you, copying you. And you don't want that. You want to be able to stand out. People often think it's confusing, I guess, that if you have a product, your product is your brand, but that's not it at all because people buy <laughs> based on trust. And if you don't have a personal brand, they don't understand who you are 
And if they don't trust right. you, they're not going to purchase from you. I mean, trust is yeah is what makes buying decisions. You know, people don't buy on the product. They buy whether or not they're going to trust who made that product. And mm-hmm. is this product of good quality? Does the person that made this product align with my values and my visions? Like, you know, so it is really important. And, and you have so much more potential when you have your own site and you can manage the search engine optimization and really control how people find you where they find you and drive that traffic to your website. Yeah. So much more to it. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, absolutely. It's like for us, it was a difference when we moved to Squarespace to Shopify. It was a difference of a couple hundred thousand dollars because Shopify has better analytics. And through the analytics, we were able to look at our customer data and determine what was selling better, what wasn't, who was buying, where they were coming from. I mean, Shopify's analytics are just amazing. So you know, so if you can get them off Etsy and you can get them onto your own platform, no matter what it is, I mean, it doesn't have to be Shopify, but you can start to learn more about their journey and what brought them there and what they need next. And I mean, all of those things are so important in order to increase your average order value and your conversion. So there's like three metrics that, well, there's really four metrics that you want to focus on as an online shop owner, which is obviously traffic. That's the first one that I think is most obvious. But if you don't have a lot of traffic, then I would focus first on your conversion rates. And for digital products, e-commerce, it's typically 1% to 3% is like actually a really good conversion rate. I would say for physical products, I don't work much with physical product creators. So (laughs) I would say that 1% to 3% is very abysmal for a physical product creator. However, the other thing is focusing on your average order value. So that's the third thing that you want to focus on. So if <laughs> we're kind of like going down the, the line. So if you don't have a lot of traffic, focus on conversions. If your conversions aren't working out so well, focus on increasing those average order values. So that way, if you have one person who buys from you a month and they spend $400, even though it's one person, you're not getting the traffic, you're not getting the conversions that you need, you still made $400. So once you get that average order value like bumped up a little bit, now you can focus on conversions. Once you get conversions better, now you can put some juice on the front end, whether that's Facebook ads or you know, going on podcasts or whatever that looks like. And then the fourth metrics to look at, this is kind of like, <laughs> like we have these three bundled together. And then the fourth one is kind of over to the side because it's a little more advanced. But looking at your lifetime customer value is one of the most important things that everybody seems to neglect. Absolutely. Because you want repeat customers and you want referrals. So you have to look at the customer <laughs> journey. Yeah. And it's so much cheaper to get repeat buys than new people to your your store. It saves you so much time. I mean, it saves you money on ads if you're running ads, but it and it saves you an incredible amount of time not having to try to create a mm-hmm. new audience where if you can just retarget older audiences, you're saving so much time and energy. Yeah. Oh, Christina, this has been fabulous. I love how you differentiated the e-commerce from e-commerce. Like I said, when I can't remember who pitched you to me. I think it was with Podcast Alley, maybe? It was Bridget. Yeah. I love her. Love her and her team. I mean, they are so good. But can I tell you a funny story about that? Yeah. Tell me. Do we have time? Okay. So I have been working with Bridget since like 2017. So I used to have a podcast. It was called Creative Empire and it ended in 2018. But we used to get like 30 pitches a week when I had that podcast. And her pitch was so good that I literally replied back to her and asked her how I could hire her. <laughs> so yeah, Podcast allies is legit. And then now we've been working together ever since. And I'm actually helping her to create her shop so that more of you can get on amazing podcasts like Robin's. So yeah, it's a 
full circle. She's fabulous. I reached out to her the first time her girls pitched to me. I reached out to her and I said, oh my gosh, the best. And this is for anyone out there who's interested in pitching podcasts. Christina did a phenomenal job. So Podcast Ally is they pitched so well. They knew my podcast. They knew me. They knew exactly what I was looking for because they had listened to my shows. So they made my job so easy. All I had to do was click on your link and look at your website and know that, oh my gosh, they're right. She's a great fit. This is perfect. Whereas sometimes I get pitches and it's like, they don't even know what my show is about. They haven't even listened to the intro. They have no idea who my listeners are. Like, this is not a good fit. You know, so it's, I was totally impressed with them. And then you as a guest, you knew so much about me coming on to the show. And that is so important. Like you don't want to go on a show and know nothing about the host, nothing about what they do or who their audience is. You have to do your homework because this is your opportunity to shine. And like this for us, like now you're teaching my audience something and it's an opportunity for them to now know what you offer and how you can help them and what tools you're going to provide for them that they don't know where else to find those tools. So (laughs) it's a perfect pairing, right? But if you go about it the wrong way, it doesn't doesn't work so well. No, I I totally hear you. Funny story about that podcast that ended in 2018. About once a week, I still get a pitch for that podcast. And our last episode was titled The Finale, The Final Episode. (laughs) So See, and that's the other thing. You have to see if they're still doing... Some podcasts are on hold. Some podcasts no longer do interviews. Like they started as an interview... (laughs) based podcast and then they stop. So yeah, it's so I oh my gosh, I could tell you so many funny stories. I'm so grateful that you had me here today. I really am Robin. And it's been so fun talking with you and getting to know you. And I'm just I'm really glad we connected. Yeah, me too. It's fabulous. And I love what you're doing. And I love that you're coaching people on how to create digital products and put their digital products out into the world to have passive income because that's pretty stinking awesome, right? To wake up in the morning and know you just made money while you were sleeping. Yeah. Especially for women right now. It's been a tough year for women, moms, especially. Yes, I feel very hard for them and I want to help as many as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Christina, tell the listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with you, learn more about you. And of course, shop your shop. Sure. Yeah. If you want to learn more about e-commerce and what that all entails, we have lots of resources to get you started if you're interested in creating a passive product. So that's all at myname.com. So christinascalera.com. Just kind of halfway Google it and you'll get there. It's a weird name. So that's the good news. And then if you want to see what I'm actually doing and how it's implemented, that's at thecontractshop.com. You know what? I love that you started with your name because your name can go with you no matter how you transition your business. And I think that's another important thing we should mention because so many people try to come up with a creative, you know, name or a fun name or whatever. And that's all well oh, yeah. and good. But at the end of the day, if you want to shift your business in any way or add another side to your business, like now you've added the coaching to your business, you don't have to reinvent your website. <laughs> True. Because it's your name. So it's a beautiful thing. True. You are your brand. So it's great. All right. Well, with that, listeners, thank you for being here with us today. And if you enjoyed this episode or know anyone else who might benefit from this episode, please share it. Please let your friends, family, whoever know that it's a great listen and that Christina's there for template contracts, especially if you're starting a business. Don't wait to do your contracts. Do them up front because it will save you a lot of headaches down the road. 
And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.